We have been on this journey through the book of James. Um, how many of you, by the way, how many of you like what pastor's been doing where he takes... You didn't even let me finish. Where he takes a book of the Bible, right, and he chunks it down, and we slowly process it, right? There's a lot in here. James is a tiny little book in the Bible. Can you imagine if he did this with Psalms? Half of y'all like pastor, like, I can't, no, that's too much. My ADD won't work, you know. Um, But I'm so grateful for what he's doing and breaking it down. And I really hope that we don't just come in here on a Sunday, get this little thing and like listen to it. Hey, pastor, that was good. You entertaining. You made a couple of nice quotes. And then we go out and we leave and ain't nothing happened. Ain't nothing changed, right? So, So I pray the same, you know, for this morning as we get into it. All right, so if you have your Bibles, you can go to James uh, chapter 2. We're looking at just the first half of James 2 today, and um, we will continue to process this during cruise, right? So if you're not in the crew, it's not too late, get involved so we can kind of go deeper into this throughout the week. So James chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, my dear brothers and sisters, How can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus? Somebody say glorious Lord Jesus. Jesus. And if you've experienced his glory in your life, then that glorious actually means something to you, right? Amen. Amen. If you favor some, how can you say you have this faith if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting uh, or your church dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and then another comes in, who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. Then you take that, you give special attention to one, to the rich person, and it says, here's a great seat for you, right? And then you say to the poor person, hey, uh, you can sit over there, or, or as a matter of fact, why don't you just take a seat on the floor and watch from here? Well, doesn't this discrimination show that, that you uh, show your judgments? that they are guided by evil motives, okay? I love the Bible. It's so, it's so clear, right? The book of James is so clear. Uh, we got a phone call this week at the church, and uh, this random gentleman called and says, uh, hey, is this New Life South Coast, right? And then uh, I think Mariah answered the phone. She was here at the office. She's like, yes, this is New Life. And he says, um, hey, can I speak to the head hog there? So she said, I'm sorry, can you say that again? He's like, yeah, where, where's the head hog of the church? Where's, where is he? Can I, is he available? And she says, sir, um, with all due respect, if you're referring to our pastor, Pastor Marco, you know, he's a man of God. He's a man that God has given authority to be our leader and our shepherd. Um, and we treat them with a certain level of respect. He, he says, sweetie, that, that's great. Is the head hog there or not? She's like, sir, I, I, I'm sorry, but if you're going to keep being disrespectful, we're not going to continue with this conversation. He says, listen, I heard New Life just bought this house, and uh, you guys are trying to like, help people rebuild their lives and get on their feet, and I think that's a really great thing. Okay? So I have this million-dollar check that I want to donate towards this cause, but... I'm not giving you this check until I get to talk to the head hog. 
So Mariah being the spirit-filled woman that she is, she's like, oh, hold up. Let me get that big fat pig for you. Some of y'all really got excited thinking we're getting a million-dollar donation. And Mariah, wherever you are, we know you wouldn't do that. So favoritism, right? In this story, it talks about like where people are seated and, and giving privilege. But that's just a modern-day example of you talk about a million dollars, conversation might change a little bit, right? So here's a definition of uh, favoritism. The practice of giving unfair preferential treatment to one person or group at the expense of another, okay? The practice of giving unfair preferential treatment to one person or group at the expense of another. So what causes favoritism today? What causes favoritism in modern day society? I think money is a definite. We just talked about money, okay? Uh, you know, again, you, you got a really large donation. You know, does, does that change things a little bit? Uh, how about status? Who you are, who you're connected to, who you know, right? What I can benefit if I have a certain relationship with you. Uh, quick little plug to the parking team this morning. So, God, we can clap for the parking team. Hey, listen. Days like today, it's great being on a parking team. Catch them in the middle of January, it's a different story. So I try to pull in, uh, and Mason, shout out to Mason. Mason's a freshman in high school. He's out there serving. I try to pull in, and Mason's standing there in the middle of the thing. He's like, right? So I'm like, nah, Mason, I'm going in there. Mason's like, no, you're not. But I like that. Mason's like, you're you're not special. Ain't no favorites around here. They told me to send you that way, so you're going that way, right? But, but, see, when you preach, you get this one little, little, you get this little perk, right? This God-given perk. You get to park in the front. You get a cone, right? I'm like, shoot, I got a cone, Mason. Mason, I'm going to go in there today. All right, next week, Mason, I'm going that way. Um, and so the reason is, we, we, you know, I, I like to be in and out, honestly, when, I, when I'm preaching. So, uh, but shout out to Mason, because he's like, listen, Wiley, I know you've been here, you know, forever, but you're still going over that way, buddy. <laughs> uh, here's a sensitive one. How about race? How about skin color? How about our culture? Okay. When it comes to the race box, you ever get, you know, you get the applications where they always ask whether you're, whatever, you're applying for a million things these days, and they ask you your race. I've always been the other. Other. Any others in the house? Oh, we got a lot of others. Okay. My people. So you're like, all right, well, so what are you? If Giselle, Brady's wife, and Manny Pacquiao had a child, that's me. That would be me, okay? And if you don't know what nationality they are, I'm gonna leave you hanging. You can go ahead and Google it later, all right? 
but, but that's my heritage. Um, but listen, a simple thing like speaking with an accent. Speaking with an accent. Okay? I've seen this many, many times with my mother. And to this day, she still speaks with an accent, you know? And sometimes she just feels so bad because she feels like she's treated a certain way because of how her words come out, you know? I came to this country when I was pretty young, so my accent is mostly gone. I still have a little something in there. Um, but that's, that's another factor that I know is still a valid uh, uh, factor today. Appearance. We talked about the rich guy in that passage, right? How you come in and you're flossing, you got your jewelry, you got this and that. You drive up in a nice car versus the flip side. You came in and you're just, you came off the streets. You slept in the streets last night and you just got what you got. And you're just walking in because you're saying, I need God, right? Should that be a factor? Even this, how about this? Even your actual physique, okay? Is there a difference? Do we, and I'm put, put, put this beyond the church, do we as a society treat people different? If you're a middle-aged, good-looking, you know, model physique person, okay, and you're just an attractive person, do you get treated different than, you know, the other, the other person? We're not going to call anybody ugly or anything like that. You know, I'm on the pulpit. Um, but it's reality. It's reality. You can actually, there's studies that will prove it. It's reality. Um, and then gender, right? I'm sure the ladies can, can amen me on this one. And I think we've come a long way. But I know at, at a lot of times women still feel like there's a difference there on how they are treated in different ways, right? In different scenarios. Here's a little confession. I was thinking about, all right, so what, how, because whenever you get ready for a message, conviction hits me hard first, right? So I'm like, all right, God, well, help me. And I'm not going to give you my list because there was a few things, all right? But let me just give you one. My wife brought this up one day and I, and, you know, she was right. When, when I see a homeless person, when I see someone on the streets asking for money, right? Well, they're homeless now, who knows? But when I see somebody asking for money, I tend to give towards older women. If it's a man my age, I usually walk right by you, being honest, okay? If I see an older woman, I tend to give. For some reason, it reminds me of my grandmother. And I'm like, man, if my grandmother ever was put in this situation where she was out here on this cold sidewalk asking for a dollar bill, would I walk right by her? You know, so that's one of my little favorites, my little examples of favoritism, right? Um, Now, I don't know if that necessarily, um, it's different because to me, it's not at the expense of another group, right? So when you do that, when you show favorites at the expense of another group, okay, comes this other word that goes hand in hand with favoritism, which is discrimination, Right? And, we, and it's crazy because we've been seeing this since biblical times. It doesn't even have to be new. You can go back to the Old Testament and we see examples of this. I love this quote from the American Journal of Psychology. Okay? It says, 
most discrimination in the United States is not caused, now notice most, not all, most is not caused by the intention to harm people different from us, but by ordinary favoritism, right? In other words, by us showing preferential treatment to one specific group for whatever the reason might be, we're automatically taking the opposite group and saying, you don't matter as much, okay? And that's discrimination. We're quiet. We're getting quiet in this Baptist church. Huh? All right. Come on. You with me? Okay. And I wish there were some common grounds. Like, I get it. We all have been brought up. Some of it we absorbed from family, you know. I remember walking in the streets in Boston one day, and I, had, I was in college, and I had a few friends with me, and one of my friends was a really dark-skinned Haitian brother. And we're walking around, we're walking around, and this little boy in his father's arms walks by, points to my friend and says, look, Dad, a Negro. What? like, what? He, he, that boy didn't have any malice. He didn't have any hatred in his heart. It's how he's being brought up, right? So I would, I would hope, man, and I would just... Man, love to believe that there's some common ground within us, that we know, like, there's some things we just, we all got to fall in agreement with, right? But unfortunately, that's not the case. Watch this video, and I'll show you what I'm talking about.
that video make you feel? I mean, I would think at least with a little six-year-old that we wouldn't be having these feelings of favoritism or you're better than the other person. I mean, one girl, like the woman is like patting her on the head and giving her kisses and hugging her. Like, first of all, what's wrong with you, lady? You don't even know this girl. Stop touching her, right? But the other one, she's getting shooed away like she's an animal. Church, you know what that tells us? It shows me that we have a serious condition. We meaning our human race, right? We as people, there's, there's an issue there. If that's how you look at a six-year-old girl, that the same exact kid, same exact setting, environment, because of how she looks, because of how her face is, because of the clothes she is wearing, right? You go from taking her in like she's your own daughter to shooing her like she's an animal off the street, there's an issue. There's an issue. You know, you know what that's called? That's called our sinful nature. We have that issue. And this is why we go to Jesus for everything. Right? So what's the solution? Well, the solution according to the Bible is we have to be born again. We have to get rid of this heart. We have to get rid of this sinful self that we're all automatically uh, carrying with us. Right? There's a passage in the Bible in John chapter 3 where this religious leader, Nicodemus, has this conversation with Jesus. And Nicodemus says to him, Jesus, we know you're here on a special mission with God. We know it. We see it. Right? We see you going around and we see the miracles. We see the healings. What do you have for us? Talk to me. Teach me. Right? Jesus goes right to it. And he says, I'll tell you the truth. You will not enter the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again. All right? So Nico looks at him and says, I'm an old man. How does, like, stupid. Like, like how, how does an old man like me, like grown man, enter back into my mother's womb to be reborn? He's like, well, obviously that wasn't it. Like, use your brain, buddy. Like, think about this, right, before you speak. Um, so Jesus says, listen, humans can only produce human life, right? But the spirit produces spiritual life. So when Jesus says the answer, the answer to discrimination in the world, the answer to the sinful nature we all carry with us, the answer is you have to have a new heart. You have to have a spiritual heart transplant, okay? And that's the only way. That is the only way. So Jesus says you must be born again. Um, let me just throw this out there for those, uh, and we don't have time to get too deep into what this really means in the process of it, right? Uh, so some of you may be new to the church or to this whole, you know, Christianity thing, whatever it may be. Um, and you're like, oh, I, how does that even work? You may be kind of having that same answer that Nicodemus have, like, what does that mean to be born again, right? Listen, we want you to connect with somebody one-on-one. And have, we have people that will help you 
kind of process that and talk to you, right? So at the end of service, right outside of the room, and no, I'm not ending service. Don't get too excited. We're not there yet. Um, but right outside this room, right outside the sanctuary, there's a room uh, with people that are just, we're there for that purpose, right? To help people that are new, they have questions, and to kind of take some, some next steps with you, all right? Same thing online. If you're watching online, there's a Zoom right after service that you can join and get, ask some questions and talk to some people about what that can uh, look like. Um, so Jesus not only says it, and this is the beauty of the leader we follow, right? It's not one of those do as I say, not as I do, but listen to my words and follow my actions. That's the Jesus we serve. So in Matthew chapter 9, he shows us, okay? Matthew 9 says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, <clears throat> Matthew was just in the process to uh, becoming one of his followers, his disciples, many text collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. By the way, text collectors, why is that such a big deal? Okay, so text collectors in this uh, setting, to give you a little idea, right? So they were Jewish, but they were working for the Romans, okay? And the Romans would have these guys employed by them to collect money, to collect taxes from the Jews. So the Jewish people saw them as traitors. Like, wait a minute, you're working for them. Again, us and them, right? You're working for them. Sucking us out of our money. You know how hard we work for our money. And here you are hunting us, chasing us down for our money. And then they were known to add a little something extra in there as they were collecting taxes, right? And that was their little profit that they kept and they got to pocket as well. So tax collectors, there wasn't too many Jews that said, wow, tax collectors, you're so wonderful, right? I, I love, let's go have dinner together. So... Jesus is having dinner with tax collectors and sinners. Notice again, it doesn't say what, who the sinners were. It doesn't classify them, right? But then when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with these kind of people, right? Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Well, Jesus was more interested in showing love. He was more interested in that spiritual heart transplant that we just talked about, then whose side are you on, right? Then which group do you belong to? So he's like, well, how can I offer them a heart transplant if I never get to be with them? How would they get to see that this is real, that what I came to bring, salvation to mankind, forgiveness is real? How can I get to, to reveal that to them if, I, if, if I'm sh- kind of shooing them away and saying, you don't belong, right? Um, so that's what God calls us to do, right? How do we bring, how do we break barriers and say, no, 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 no. Listen, it's, come, let me show you. Look at my life. Let me show you how amazing this love of God is. Um, I will throw this side note in there. Make sure you're ready. Because notice, Jesus wasn't having dinner with the sinners and the tax collectors and coming out drunk, right? He wasn't having, hanging out and spending time with them and being influenced by them, right? So you got to make sure you're in a position where you're 
influencing. I've been there. I've been to a point where like, oh, I'm going to go back to my old friends and we're going to, you know, I'm going to share with them, blah, blah, blah. And next thing you know, while doing something we shouldn't be. And I was right there with them. Um, My daughter's in the room, so I'm not going to say anything else. (laughs) So let's keep going. In in the book of James, uh, so now we're going to skip over to verse 8. And it says, yes, indeed. It is good when you obey the royal law as it is found in scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who breaks all of God's laws. I say this all the time. When people, if you ask the average person out there and say, hey, how do you get into heaven? Right? What's the most common answer you get? Somebody help me out. Being a good person. Okay, that's the most common answer. So my question is, well, how good is good enough? Because according to this, if you break one law, you're just as guilty as the person who's breaking all laws. So how good is good enough? Well, the answer is this, God's perfect holiness. So now, if that's the measuring stick, are we still a good person? Are we still getting there, Right? So for the person who keeps all the laws except one is just as guilty as a person who breaks all laws. For the same God who said, you must not commit adultery, he also said, you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that set you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Listen, this sin of favoritism, the whole point, and if we go to verse 9, right, he says, but if you show favor, guess what? You're committing a sin. Period. God doesn't want to see it. Right? This sin of favoritism I don't think many of us look at it as equivalent to murder, right? But God's like, no, but I still don't want to see it. No, I don't want to see murder either, but I don't want to see that in your midst either, okay? See, when the Pharisees were talking about Jesus having dinner with, with the sinners, they were from a distance. They didn't know these people. So what sins were they talking about? External sins, right? Right? So the Pharisees knew these people were involved in something that they could see from the outside, they could see from the external, that was sinful, right? Whatever that may be. Whether they were drunkards, whether they ran houses of prostitution, whether they were the tax collectors, whatever their sin was, it was an external sin. we got to be careful as Christians, as followers of Christ, because... We don't want to fall into that same category where we're so quick to identify external sin, right? But we forget internal sin is still sin, okay? Let me, let me show you internal sin. The first sin ever committed, internal sin. Lucifer was an angelic being. Lucifer got caught up 
saying, man, look at how great I am, how majestic I am as an angelic being, how great, how beautiful, how powerful, whatever. And he got to his head to the point that he said, I will make myself, I will put myself up there equal to the most high. That's the sin of pride, right? The sin of pride is the first ever sin. Before Adam and Eve in the fall, because who tempted them, right? Lucifer, well, Lucifer didn't tempt him from heaven. He tempted them after Jesus, God slapped him and said, get out of here. You're too powerful. You don't belong here. He shot down like lightning, right? And he no longer got to be in God's presence. So the very first sin is the sin of pride. Can we check ourselves? Do we have any pride in us? I know I can speak for myself. Pride will try to sneak in. Pride will sneak in in different ways. Okay? Remember the source of where the first sin of pride came from. Right? Battle that sin. Fight that sin. Say, God, this isn't the heart you gave me, Lord. Lord, when you gave me a spiritual heart transplant, there was no pride in it, Lord. So let me not accept this in my life. But let me go to your word. Let me worship my way out of this because I don't want this pride in me. So what does God want from us? We're not going to be perfect. He knows that. He wants us to be more merciful. That's the key. Can we be more merciful to the external sin, right, to the people walking in who don't, necessarily look like we look? Um, can we show more mercy as we come across people that hurt us? Let's go to verse 13 in that passage we just read. It says, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. Pastor says this all the time, right? When people are like, listen, man, don't, don't try to talk, don't try to judge me. Only God can judge me. Right, we've heard that. They have shirts, right, bumper stickers. Well, be careful, because God says there will be no mercy for those that haven't shown mercy. Right, but if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when He judges you. If you have been merciful, because we know we know how much we need, and then God's like. No, don't worry. I know. I know you're not going to be perfect. I got you. And I appreciate that you're sharing my heart and you're showing mercy to others as well. You know, let me give you an example. Sanders, come here real quick. You got to walk this way, bro. He didn't know this was coming. So me and, me and Jonathan go way back. Come here, John. This dude, listen, here's the funny thing. Here's who got me my first job. I don't even know how old we were. I think we were 13. He got me to my first job. I made 25 cents an hour. That's the kind of friend he is. <laughs> All right? He's out here making a killing. So he was selling newspapers in front of a Catholic church. Back in the days when people read newspapers, he would come in like making a killing. He said, like, he got me one. And I, he put me in some random red light. I made 25 cents in one hour and I quit. I'm like, this ain't for me. John, give me a hug. Love you, man. Listen. Here's a demonstration, right? 
for me to give John a hug and try to embrace him, it's difficult, right? Because I can easily say, dang, John, what happened? And, and things change. And look, I'm up here and I'm on this pulpit and I get to preach, you know, and, and life has been difficult and you've gone through some things. It's easy for me to have this sense of who I've got to be now, right? And I'm up here and I'm on a different level. But, but here's what God says is this. He's like, listen, you're, you're, that's not where you belong. God says, no, 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 no. Love you, Until we can understand that we're all on the same level. We're all on the same playing field. Right? There's nothing I have done. There's nothing I have done to put me up here and put him down there. Nothing. The same mercy that I need in God is the same mercy that he needs in God. And I want to actually shift gears because as I'm preparing for this and as I'm going through this, I said, man, God, I know there's a message here here we all need to learn from, right? And I hope and pray that every time there's a message, whether it was this morning with Dre, by the way, shout out to Dre. I can't wait to hear his message later. Whether it's Pastor Elijah who's in Fall River right now preaching, doing his thing. Whatever the message is, I hope we all take something. Right? Something. Like I have this thing, like every once in a while I do it. When, when I see you guys later today or I see you during the week, you're going to say, hey, Wadley, because you kind of like me. You're going to say, hey, Wadley, great job on Sunday. Right? I haven't met one person that's come up to me and Wadley like, yeah, that message, bro. Maybe next time you, you know, go to the parking lot or something. Uh, but one of the things I like, I, I, I'll say once in a while, I was like, hey, tell me what you liked about it. And I can tell you right now, some of you freeze. And you have nothing to give me. I'm like, well, how good was it? You, got, you, you can't tell me one thing I said, right? So be careful when you say that later because I'm going to call you out. But so, yes, we all want to take something. We want to grow from it. But I want to shift gears a little bit, right, as we get uh, ready to close. I want to celebrate. I want to celebrate because that whole concept of us going down and meeting people where they are. I feel like, man, has God blessed our pastor in his vision for new life to be that church. Right? So can we celebrate? Go ahead and give me that slide up there. Here's what I want to do. Do me a favor. And I, I, I honestly, I bet if we go through this list, we've missed some. But I'm going to say, when I call something out, if you've been involved in any type of way, I want you to stand up and stay standing for me, please. Okay? If you've gone to any of the homeless shelters, any of the times that we've been there, go ahead and stand up and stay standing. All right? If you've been involved with Whaler's Cove at any point, go ahead and stand up and stay standing. If you've gone to the prison with us, right? It used to be Bristol County. Now... We're, we're moving on, and we're working with Shirley, and hopefully we'll be back at Bristol County again eventually. So shout out to our brothers and sisters at Shirley Max. <laughs> Loads of love, 
By the way, some of you don't know this. This was a great little idea. People just went to the laundromat and they just sat there and waited. And, and when they felt the right person came, they paid for their laundry and just talked to them. That was it. It wasn't like, read the book of Revelations. It, it was like, hey, how's life? How are you doing? Right? Love it. That's part of us getting down and getting on that same level. New Life Food Pantry. Oh, I know there's tons of people that have been involved in the pantry, right? Uh, Ashley Park Cleanup. We were just there yesterday. Listen, I got to Ashley Park, and before I even got to our meeting, I, I stepped on a piece of glass, right? And I'm like, this is why we're here. I would hate for some little kid to step on his glass, cut his foot. Now, all kinds of stuff breaks loose. Whatever, you know, a whole family could be... Because someone was ignorant enough to break a bottle of Corona, right, right there and just leave it. We, we, found, we find so many things. One of the things we found is a huge knife yesterday at Ashley Park, okay? That's why we go there. So we can find it and not a little kid who's just looking to go to the playground. If you've been involved with our DCF partnership, stand up. If you've ever been to Douglas Academy, stand up. If you've been involved in this, uh, our partnership with Pace, stand up. If you've been out to the tent city in the railroad tracks, stand up. If you've assisted in any way with a teen mom program, stand up. I got like two people excited about that one. <laughs> if you've donated to our back to school backpack drive, go ahead and stand up. If you've cooked in your own kitchen to provide meals for the different outreaches, stand up. We've thrown some really huge block parties with thousands of people. Thousands of people got to witness God's love, and it's a blessing. So if you've been part of that, stand up. If you've done anything with our Salvation Army Ministries, stand up. If you've gone or if you've donated towards our mission trips, okay, we have uh, children that we sponsor in Kenya until today. Obviously, we have Honduras. We have Cape Verde on the rise. Uh, we have so many things going on. So we've been a part of that. Stand up. NLBA, uh, our kids' basketball league, if you've involved, stand up. Uh, and if you've ever given to one of our Christmas toy drives, which we've done several, stand up. Okay? Look at this, church. This, to me, is how we get down on ground level and we say, hey, we're just here to embrace you. We're here to embrace you, right? You never leave that place and say, but you better go to church now that I came here. No, we're there to show love, right? So come on and give, give ourselves a hand. Give yourself some love. And for those that did not stand up, we would love for you to get involved. Be a part of one of these. You know what the number one qualification we ask for is? A willing heart. A willing heart. You don't know the Bible inside out? It's all right. Just don't say too much. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, you have, you've only been coming to New Life for six months, right? You don't serve in a minute. Listen, do you have a willing heart? All right? Because that's what God wants to use. And listen, and let me, let me show you. This is one of the things that makes me so proud of my home church. It really does. We're talking about favoritism 
inequality and discrimination. Okay? There's a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King. If you can put that up. Dr. King said, it is appalling that the most segregated hour of Christian America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. It's sad because that happened in Dr. King's day. But guess what? That is so much a reality today. You have churches for every race, every ethnic group out there, there's a church for you, right? Like, if you literally Google right now, where is the closest Korean church, there will be one nearby, right? So, like, the Greek have their own church. You got the Portuguese. You got the Korean. You have, you know, even the Spanish churches. Well, are you Puerto Rican or are you Dominican? Like, which Spanish church do I go to? We are so separated. We're so divided, right? It's so, like, No, this is where our group meets, but then I come to new life. Man, go ahead. We can give give God some praise for that. Look around. For some of you, this is the most diverse you ever get throughout your week. That's reality, right? The Sunday school classes, the kids' ministry... That's the most diverse some kids see in their week. So I am so grateful that we can come to our church and we can do that. And I'm not just talking about race and skin color either. We're talking about different social economic status, right? We're talking about people who are just coming in here like last night they could barely talk and walk. But today they're like, I need God, right? And they feel like they could come in these doors. We're talking about all folks, all different generations, all different lifestyles, saying, without that cross, without that Savior, I, I ain't got nothing, right? And, and then I love it even, we go even deeper when we have these crews, we have these small groups. And I was thinking about that, think about this. People, because of this church, because of crews, they got to have people at their dinner tables. They got to break bread. It may have been a white person who has never had a black person at their dinner table before, or a Spanish person, or any other shade in between, or vice versa. It may have been a black home that had never had a white person sit and break bread with them. Because of crews, we get to break those boundaries. And to me, that's a powerful thing. To me, that's a powerful thing. So church, the bottom line is this, right? Way back in the church, way back in, the, in, in biblical times, there was favoritisms, right? Check ourselves. Check ourselves. What is it? Are there things that we still lean on and we still give preferential treatment to? Okay? I want to go back to that first passage we read. There's nothing wrong with giving attention to the rich person as he comes in. There's something wrong with giving special attention to the rich person as he comes in, right? We're not against rich people. We're not against filthy rich people. We're not against poor people. They all get attention. The key is nobody gets special attention, right? So the, the, the end goal of this is check our hearts, 
right? We as a church are doing a phenomenal job, I believe, in breaking boundaries, meeting people where they're at, putting aside differences, and say, man, I, I love you just because God loved me so much, right? And, and I, see, I see no difference between you and I. We've done a great job as a church. So the challenge is for us as individuals now to be able to check ourselves and to be able to work on it. Like everything else we do on Sunday, the key is, can we work on it? Can we be more merciful? Amen? Amen. 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 Let me pray for us. But listen, after I pray, uh, do me a favor, but stick around, all right? We're going to close things a little different today. But Lord, I just thank you, God, for this house of worship. Lord, I thank you for all of the testimonies that we hear day after day, week after week, of how you're still changing lives. And Lord, those changes are so diverse. They're so different from each other. Because you don't discriminate, Lord. For you, sin is sin. And where there's a need, you are there to provide an answer. You are there to provide a solution. So, Lord, we worship you this morning. We thank you for your presence. And we pray, God, let us continue to be your hands and feet on this earth. Let us continue to love on people and be an example of your love and your mercy towards us. In Jesus' name, Father. Amen. 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 Amen.